You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, so um, I figure by now it's probably time to define this idea of withness. Everybody say withness. So withness, by withness I mean presence in proximity. Everybody say proximity. Proximity is an interesting word, uh, this idea of presence in proximity. Proximity is about nearness. It's about closeness. Everybody say nearness. That's what it's about. It's within reach, people within reach. So it's about being present with people who are within my reach. Not about being present with people who are outside of my reach in some vague, abstract description of humans, but present with people within my reach. Now, remember that as we read the text this morning. Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Luke 5, 12 through 16. If you have a version app, it's all there for you. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. He saw Jesus fell down, fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing to be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Word of the Lord. Now, at first glance, you could read this text and go, well, I mean, this is just another, another story about Jesus healing another leper. Nothing new, nothing insightful. There are several stories in the scriptures about Jesus healing lepers. And it would be easy to just explain this away as just another one of those stories. But I don't think scripture works that way. If Luke includes another story about Jesus healing another leper, there must be something the Spirit wants us to see. And so I think this text, especially in light of what we've read before this, what we talked about two weeks ago, and what we will read later on in Luke, I think this text can teach us several different things, but I think it can show us the difference between two words. The word for, everybody say for, for. and the word with, everybody say with. So, see, for is a word of distance. It's a word like a service provider to service recipient. With is a word of proximity, of nearness. It is presence in proximity. So, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. We can be for someone, but not with them. Like, we can be for neighbors living through social displacement, writing checks, advocating for better policies and practices. We can even know a few by name. We can house them, help them find a house, then they're settled in, and then we can say, call us if you need anything and move on to the next one. Four is transactional. Four is important, but it isn't enough because we can be for someone and not with them. But we can't be truly with someone and not be for them. And before Jesus was anything in relationship to others, he was with them. It wasn't just about saving. It wasn't just about healing. It wasn't just about 
liberating. Jesus healing the leper in this story isn't just about a cure. It's also about inclusion. Stay with me because this is what I mean. This leper was a person made in God's image and was forced to live outside the city. Traditional interpretations of the scripture required that he be banished from society, that he be pushed to the outskirts of the city into the margins. This leprosy and the traditional interpretations of scripture led people to believe that he wasn't worthy of inclusion and dignity and even life in the society, that he was a threat. This leprosy separated him from all those he loved and for those who loved him. This leprosy separated him from love. And if you look at the text, the severity of this man's leprosy is highlighted when Luke says that he had leprosy all over him. Everybody say all over him. Luke doesn't want us to think that he just has leprosy, maybe somewhere here or there. Luke wants us to know that he has leprosy all over him. It must be obvious to all who see. It can't be covered and it can't be hidden. He wears it from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And Jesus cures him, not just by removing his leprosy. That only cure the outside, including what people see. Jesus cures him by also removing the leprosy on the inside, by making love possible again, reunion with family and friends possible again, inclusion possible again. And Jesus makes all of this possible for this man. By being willing to give this man something no one else was willing to give him. Presence. Jesus isn't doing something for this man. There's a withness to what Jesus does. Think about it. Jesus could have spoken words and healed the man. Be healed. Jesus could have blown on the, he could have blown on the man. Be healed. He could have just waved his hand and said nothing. And he'd have been healed. But what did Jesus do? He reached out, which means he was within proximity of this man. He was next to this man, near this man, and he touched the very thing that pushed people away. Jesus is willing to come close to this man with leprosy all over his body. Jesus is the first person, and who knows how long, to come to him rather than run from him. And Jesus touches the very thing that causes everyone else to push him away. Now, this gesture, this, this act of withness is as disruptive as it is remarkable. It's disruptive because his disciples witness this. When Jesus comes close to this man, much less touches this man, Jesus is challenging the way they read their Bibles. He's challenging the way it has been interpreted for generations. When they see Jesus touch this man, Jesus puts himself at risk 
of getting leprosy himself. That's the word on the street. Jesus excludes now himself because of what they understand scripture to teach from the religious community, from participating in the rituals of the people of God. And that has to be disruptive because Jesus touches the very thing that causes everyone else to push his man away. When everyone else seeks distance, Jesus seeks closeness. When everyone else ignores him, Jesus sees him. When everyone else is willing to dispose of him, Jesus is willing to come close to him. When everyone else tells him to leave, Jesus says, I'm willing to come and even stay. I am willing. That's what Jesus says. That's how Luke records it in chapter 5, verse 13. This is the phrase, y'all, I am willing. It's been sticking with me for two weeks. When I read this story, I was reading this story, and I thought to myself, just another story about another lover being healed by Jesus, and then I am willing echoed in my head, and I went back to it, and I read it again, and I am willing stayed in my head, and I went back to it, and I read it again, and I thought I am willing stayed in my head, and I thought, what does I am willing mean? And then I thought, I just talked about what it literally means, what I am willing literally means. Jesus does what nobody else will do, touches this man in, in a place that has been pushing everybody away, that that could be what I am willing means. And then I thought to myself, that's not the right question to ask. Sometimes when we read scripture and a word or phrase sticks in our mind, we don't need to ask, what does it mean? We need to ask, what could this phrase open me up to see, to think, or to do? That's the phrase I started asking. What could this phrase open me up to see, to think, or do? I am willing. And I thought, could it be then that the reminder of this I am willing is that when everyone else withdraws their hand, Jesus seeks to reach out his? Is it what we said, that when everyone else ignores me, Jesus sees me? When everyone else is willing to dispose of me, Jesus is willing to come close to me? When everyone else tells me to leave, Jesus says, I'm willing to come and stay is that what it's opening me up to see, to think, to do? And if so, that's beautiful. We could spend the rest of our time and the rest of our week thinking practically what it means to have a Christ who says, I am willing. And then it hit me. Withness with others and an awareness of God's withness with us is born out of willingness. Everybody say willingness. See, what I thought is maybe what this text is reminding us of in Jesus' willingness is that it's actually reminding us of a question that Jesus is always asking us. Jesus says, I am willing, but here's the question. Are you willing? Jesus is willing to reach out his hand. Am I willing to reach out mine? Jesus is willing to see me. Am I willing to see him? Jesus is willing to come close to me. Am I willing to come close to him? Jesus is always willing, beloved, because he's always with us. Are you willing? 
Am I willing to let go of the plans that I'm holding on to that aren't working out and choose instead to live in the present rather than live for some unknown future? Am I willing to stop striving and straining to figure it out or make it happen, whatever it is, and choose instead to take what I do understand and can do right now and trust that the lordship of Jesus still applies right now in my current situation and will be made evident to me? Am I willing, speaking of the lordship of Jesus, listen up now, am I willing to walk forward in Jesus' lordship? And what I mean is, am I willing to stop living and acting according to my own rules and choose instead to start living and acting as Jesus has taught us to live and act? Am I willing to let go of my expectations of how I think God's purposes and healing should work out in my life and choose instead to trust that he knows me best, loves me most, and has made me a part of his royal family and given me a design, divine assignment that he will bring to completion. Am I willing Come close to others that I feel like ignoring or am told should be avoided like a leper. See, the reality is that withness with others and our experience, everybody say experience, our experience of God's withness with us is born out of our willingness to take Jesus at his word and live like we believe it. And that's a choice. When we are willing, we will reach out our hand to Jesus. And what I mean by that is we will pray, even if in silence. When we are willing, we will choose to see him. Everybody say choose. Will choose to see him. Start paying attention to what God is providing for my life, not the things that haven't yet been provided for. Start paying attention to the people God has already brought into my, my life, not looking for the people that aren't in my life. And trust God with those consequences. When we are willing, will we come close to Jesus? Will we actually open up the scriptures? Will we actually open up the scriptures and remember the withness of God? When we are willing, will we refuse to treat someone else like a leper? No matter how I feel or no matter what other people say I should do. See, beloved, when we are willing, we are saved from ourselves again and again and again. Did y'all hear me? When we are willing, we are saved from ourselves again and again and again. We are saved from our unwillingness to take Jesus at his word, live like we believe it. 
We are saved from our unwillingness to sit in silence before God even if we have nothing to say. We are saved from our unwillingness to entrust our hopes and dreams, desires, healthy or unhealthy, to the Lord who loves me and longs to be with me in all of it. But not only that, not only that, when we are willing, not only are we saved from ourselves, but others are, in a sense, saved again and again too. Because when we are willing, then no one will ever be treated like a leper in our presence. When we are willing, we will not be silenced in the face of injustice. When we are willing, we will pay the price because we know the price that has been paid in Jesus. And we will know that we got plenty in the bank to pay the price. When we are willing... We will be able and empowered and wanting to climb the hill and if need be, die on the hill because we believe in resurrection. When we are willing, we will step forward in a spirit of generosity even when it doesn't seem possible because we believe our God has cattle on the land of a thousand hills. See, when we are willing, we are not only saved from ourselves, but others are saved too. Because we are only willing because Christ first was. When we are willing, we are eventually liberated, y'all. Everybody say eventually. eventually. And I mean eventually. It may take some time. But we are eventually freed from what has been weighing us down, arresting our minds and holding our hearts captive. Jesus says, I am willing question is, am I? Are you? Are we? Now, before we close this up, we have to finish the rest of the text. We have to look at verse 16, because Luke includes this in this particular story. Luke says to us, yet Jesus often withdrew to deserted, to deserted places and prayed. And you might hear me read that and say, okay, Fred, I'm going to talk about why we need to go have some prayer time and some quiet time. And I'm not, I mean, that, that's true, but that's not the word. I, I want to look at the word withdrew. Everybody say withdrew. withdrew. See, withdraw, withdrew. He withdrew. Withdrew is a helpful word. It's a, it's a, it's a word of action. It's a word of intention. It's the same word we use when we say we need to withdraw our troops from fill in the blank. That's a word that insert that, that assumes we are going to make a plan, that, that there's going to be purposefulness behind our choice and decision, that it's not going to be easy, that we don't wait to withdraw to God when it's convenient because it requires intention and convenience is going to be hard to come by. We don't wait to withdraw to God when it is easy because it requires effort and life is never easy. Withdrawal requires that we make a purposeful choice. And sometimes withdrawing means we got to step away from something good for a moment in order to draw closer to the God who is good or at least remember that he's good. Sometimes we have to let go in order to take hold. Too many of us are living double-fisted lives. We're clinging on to something with both of our hands, and God says, I am willing. And we go, 
we don't we don't know if we are because if we let this go can we trust God with it sometimes we have to withdraw sometimes we have to lay it all down and withdraw and remember the withness of God See, in all of Jesus' withness with others, Jesus never neglected to be with the Father. If God is always with us, and Scripture declares God is, and if withness is about presence and proximity, then God is always close. We will need to make a decision to withdraw from what has divided our attention and withdraw to God who longs for our undivided attention. It's the reason why we have this moment in our liturgy called Practicing the Presence, which, as you know, we haven't done yet because we're going to do it at the end of the Word today. Because practicing the presence of God is about learning how to be still with the God who knows us best and loves us most. And it's something that has to be practiced. And the reality of it is, church, a community that is willing in response to the Christ who is willing can ignite a movement of love, a movement of mercy and justice, one that reflects God's vision for the world. And this willingness of Jesus that created a community of followers, a household of kingdom witnesses, empowered to declare and demonstrate God's love among themselves and with their neighbors, created a beloved community where divine mercy, love, and justice is found and culminates into this movement of love that we should call Williamsburg Christian Church. So the question isn't just, am I willing? How I answer that question shapes how the church answers the question, are we willing? Beloved, let us be willing. Let us be willing for a single mother without a place to call a home. Let us be willing for an Afghan family seeking refuge because they are without a land call home. Let us be willing for a neighbor without a people to call home. Let us be willing for a neighbor who doesn't yet see that Christ is calling them to find their home with him. Let us be willing. All right. So now let's talk about practices. I want to give you one practice and two questions to ask. Here's the practice. If you want, if you say that I'm willing and you want your willingness strengthened, hold on before I talk about it, practice. Here's one. We're going to run out of steam. We're going to struggle to find endurance. But let me say this. If we don't withdraw to God, then we will not find the endurance we long for. Let me give you an example. When we go through the dark times in life and we don't withdraw to God, then our pain is not given a voice. Are you with me? But if our pain is not given to voice, then our pain will turn to violence. 
It'll turn to violence done to ourselves in our mind and the way we think about ourselves. Violence done to how we think about other people. Violence done with our words. And when left unchecked, violence done with our hands and feet. Pain not given a voice turns to violence. But pain given a voice transforms to endurance. And when we allow our pain to be given a voice, the endurance we long for is found. And then we can continue to say, even when the darkness surrounds us, we can continue to say, I am willing. So we need some practices. So what do you do when you withdraw to God? You may all have your own way, but I want to give you a way that maybe we can all learn together. So I, I don't have a name for this practice. I usually name the practices, but um, I don't know. I guess you could call it practicing the presence, practicing withdrawal. I don't know. Pra practicing withdrawal means something else in my world. It's practice withdrawal. All right, so here's what I'm asking you to do. Take a text in your Bibles, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Where? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And find a story that is an encounter with Jesus. What? To find a what? An encounter with Jesus. Don't find a teaching of Jesus. Find an encounter with Jesus. The entire encounter. And read that encounter and that encounter alone. Don't read seven encounters. Don't read the encounter before that encounter. Don't read the statements before. Just find one encounter with Jesus. And what I'm asking you to do is listen for a word or phrase that just catches your attention, that sticks with you. And if nothing happens, keep reading it and then read it. Stay with that story. Keep reading it and keep reading it. And what I know will happen is the Holy Spirit will reveal something to you. Here's what I mean. When I was reading Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, and I read it, the first time I read it, I thought, another story where Jesus is a lover. I was like, well, it can't be that. So I read it again, and then I am willing stuck out. And I thought, well, I mean, of course, Jesus is willing. So I put it down. And then the I am willing kept coming to my head. So I went back to the text, and I read it again. And I am willing stayed with my head. And then I went back to the text the next day, and I am willing stayed with my head. And so then I started asking the Lord, what are you willing to do? And then I thought, wait a minute. What could this word or phrase be opening me up to what? To see, think, or do. Read a story of an encounter with Jesus. Whatever word or phrase jumps out at you, sit with that word or phrase and ask the question, what could this phrase be opening me up to see, to think, or to do? You with me? And then sit with that for a while. All right, but don't stop there. At some point... Go to number two. Let's read it together. Who within my life, within my reach, proximity, can help me discern it? So then what you do is you call someone that you already know. Don't start looking for a mentor. Matter of fact, I tell people all the time, stop looking for mentors. The mentor you're looking for has probably been in front of you the whole time. He's been looking outside of that. Who within your reach... Who within your reach could help you discern it? Here's what I did. I called somebody this week on this text, and I said, hey, I've been reading this story about Jesus and the leper, Luke chapter 5, 12 to 16, and there's a phrase that Jesus says, I am willing. Be made clean. And for whatever reason, the phrase, I am willing, is just sticking with me. Would you pray for me on that phrase? And then would you read that story when you get a chance, and then let's talk again, and let's have a conversation. Can I share some things that's going on inside of me, and you can help me discern what the I am willing means? See what I just did there? What did I just do, functionally? This is the participation part. What did I just do? I asked somebody to enter into this discernment with me. What else did I do? I asked for prayer. What else did I do? 
I invited somebody in to have a deeper conversation other than football or the weather or even my problems. We brought this down and I invited somebody in to have a Jesus conversation with me. And here's my belief. I don't think you even have to look outside the church for this. I mean, you can. You can look outside the church for this. I'm not saying you shouldn't look outside this church, number two. But if you're a part of this church, I would suggest you look inside this church first. And so who is it comes to your mind that you might call and say, hey, you remember what I was talking about? I was doing that, and this, this is the phrase that came to my mind. And I was wondering, would you enter into a season of discernment with me? You could do that. So that's a practice. All right, we'll publish that this week. It's also a new version, but I want to give you two questions. Two questions. If you've been here at WCC for a long time, you probably know these questions as one ear up, one ear out questions. These are questions that we've asked in this church for years. Missional communities used to ask this of one another. The purpose of these questions was to turn one ear up to God and one ear out to our neighbors, right? But I want to go ahead and call these now the withness questions for this series. Question number one, to ask of yourself at the beginning of the week, who might God be calling me to what? Embrace. So ask that question, who might God be calling me to embrace? Now, here's what you do. Start thinking about who's already coming to your head. Who's been in your head all week long? What face comes to your, to your imagination? Who is the person you've been thinking about all week? Who's the person you've been trying to ignore all week? Because we know that's possible. Who's the person that's just been dwelling in my soul? Maybe that's the person God's calling you to embrace. So you know what you do next? You call Nico and you say, Nico, you want to grab some coffee? And you just, you be. Don't sit down with Nico and be like, the Lord told me that I should embrace you. Bring it in. Oh, there it is right there, baby. Nico's like, I'll take a hug. He and I can do that because we're like that. But y'all, like, don't do that to strangers. Don't, 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 don't suggest that. Don't do that to strangers. Who might God be calling me to embrace? That is the question. The second question to ask is who might God be calling to embrace what? Me. Don't forget to ask that second question. You know why that second question is important? Because God's probably put you on somebody's heart too. We have this assumption of Christianity, we got to be the ones doing all the doing. But sometimes God wants to do, 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 do us. Glad Allison ain't up here, Crystal. Sometimes God wants to make sure we're cared for too. So who might God be calling to embrace you? Now, how do you know who that is? Well, here's some questions. Who's that person that just fills your soul when you see him? Who's that person that just warms your heart? Who's that person that when you see him at church even you go, I really like them? Or who's that person that's been in your head you keep thinking, I'd like to get to know that person. Now, whoever that is, call them and say, hey, we want to get together. Now, what you don't do is say, I think the Lord is asking you to embrace me. Let me bring it in. Hey, that's just weird. Don't do that. Don't do that. But is this practical enough? You know who lives in you? The Holy Spirit. You know who wants you well more than you want to be made well? The Holy Spirit. You know who wants you known more than you want to be known? 
The Holy Spirit. You want to know who wants you liberated more than you want to be liberated? The Holy Spirit. You want to know who wants you living into your divine assignment more than you even want to know a divine assignment? The Holy Spirit. You want to know who wants you willing more than you even want to be willing? The Holy Spirit. Then why don't we trust that? Put ourselves in a position for the Holy Spirit to speak to us through scripture and through prayer, through purposeful questions and discernment in community and see what the Lord does. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.